Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School, Chicago. I hope and pray that the following message blesses you with peace and hope in Christ, who died and rose for you for free. It is yours. If you'd like to support God's mission of giving life, hope, peace, joy, and love in the city of Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. Peace. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. What sort of trustworthy sayings do you live by that maybe your parents told you that you sort of ingrained in your head? Common wisdom. Let's see, I got a Okay, we got one, uh, let's see, a bird in the hand, is this even a phrase we use anymore? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? You should live by that, right? Uh, what else we got here? All that glitters is not gold, right? Live by that. Anything else? Detroit Lions will not have a winning season. You can trust these phrases. I don't know what the bears, but... Uh, Things that you live by, phrases, wise sayings that you can count on. I'd equate it even with, like I said, for the kids there, one plus one is two. That's a saying that we've come to kind of live by. It's probably true. It's probably true today, probably true tomorrow. We can count on that. Interesting that Paul, in this letter to Timothy, pulls out what he pulls out. This is a true saying that you can count on, deserves full acceptance, you can trust it today, tomorrow, the next day, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he says, of which I am the chief one, right? A trustworthy saying. We're going to be talking about this letter. And I want you to think about this. We forget about this. We think of the Bible oftentimes as book just kind of fell from the sky, no context, uh, and it's God's word, and we just move on. But there's stories behind how it came together. There's a genre. There's purposes why certain things are written as they are. And most of Paul's uh, books are actually letters. So if you read the beginning, it always starts the same way. There are letters from him as a pastor and as an authority, one who Jesus literally saw um, and actually commanded to be uh, a leader in the church. So um, commissioned directly, not like me, through you Jesus put me here as shepherd of St. James. Paul, like Matthew and the disciples, Jesus directly actually placed as a leader. And Paul writes these letters to these churches, to Romans, right, to the Romans in Rome, to the people living in Ephesus, the Ephesians. That's why it's called what it is. And here we have a letter to Timothy. And who is Timothy? Timothy is a young pastor that it seems like Paul has nourished in the faith. Paul has some effect as to his knowledge of being a Christian, but then was called by the apostles and the congregation to be a pastor of Ephesus. And Paul's writing a letter to him to talk about important things that he should be doing. And really, for us, as we're reading this letter, we're discovering what the church should be doing. So I think it's very informative for us 
and our place here in Chicago, what we're supposed to be looking like as church, what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks with, between Pastor Keating and I. So Paul writes this letter, but the first thing he gets to in all his letters, it's always the same thing actually, the gospel. That's the first thing that comes to mind to him. It's the most important thing to him. Of all the things you do as church, taking care of your neighbors, loving the poor, setting up a hospital as we see churches do later on, having uh, block parties, sorry to bring it up, great. But the most important thing for Paul in every single letter is your teaching and you are preaching this cornerstone of why we exist, who we are, and what our hope is. And that is that Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, came into the world not to save good people. Let's flip that around on its head. Jesus did not come for good people. I think that kind of illuminates that phrase a little better, doesn't it, when you say that. Jesus did not come into the world to save good people. Say that, and maybe you'll get the gist of what the radical thing Paul sang about the Messiah. He came into the world to save sinners. So if you're a good person, if you're righteous, if you think you're good with God because of your history and your actions, Jesus actually didn't come for you. Of course, the joke is, are you really a good person? Now, why is this so important to Paul? Academically, because this is what the Bible is all about from Genesis onward. This is the teaching of God constantly. He didn't make this up, that God has grace on sinners. That God's purpose is to bring home people who are lost and not just hang around with people who never left in the first place. From Genesis onward, he goes out and finds lost people, sinners, etc. But Paul has a stake in this because he gets this personally. And it probably made him a very good pastor himself, I'll bet. What does he say here? I thank God who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and violent person or insolent opponent. It's a couple of different translations. Now, th those are interesting phrases. So he's excited about this because he equates himself as what? Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul takes that to heart because he knows what it feels like to be on the opposite end of someone you'd expect Jesus to love, die for, rise again. And he uses these phrases we think is very interesting. He calls himself as someone who was a blasphemer. And what's interesting about this is that Paul, in other letters, talks about, you know what, if you want to be a good person, you can't beat me. And he talks about how he followed the Torah and the law perfectly. He was a student of students, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He talks about this. But now he's calling himself a blasphemer. That was a phrase you would use not just for Jimmy who swore on the bus, <laughs> but someone who is absolutely anti-God. 
Someone who's a total pagan for the Jewish people, that's a word you'd use for all those people that don't know the law, that don't know God of the God of Abraham. The pagans or the Gentiles, you hear that word. Those are the blasphemers. They use God's stuff, but they don't call God by his name. That's what a blasphemer is. You, don't, you take his name in vain or you, you uh, misuse his name. You misuse his stuff. He's equating himself with, like, for the Jewish people. These are the people living in darkness. That's who he was, he says. And he goes on, he says, what about himself? Uh, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, indeed. Paul, Paul's literally guilty of people's death. Literally either watched aloud or even gave the order for someone to die because they believed that Jesus was the Christ. I mean, just put that in your head. The very enemy of the church. I mean, you just got to take this in and really think about what's being said here. And then finally he says, violent man. This is a phrase you'd probably use, and I think the Greco-Roman world would use this phrase for the uncivilized. So he is placing himself in the opposite camp of what you'd expect to be a good church-going person. And if you would have met Paul before Jesus, you would never have said this. He's probably a good, he was probably at synagogue every Saturday. He probably was not a bad guy. I bet he gave 10% to the synagogue just like you're supposed to. But in his view, he was awful. Chief of sinners, he says. So for Paul to really know that about himself, like the last person God should love, and yet God loves him. The last person that, that uh, should be saved, the one that's persecuting his church and actually has Christians killed, and yet he's forgiven. That blew his mind. He's not going to let that go. <laughs> he's going to protect that. That's all he's got is that trustworthy saying. When I'm sure guilt hits him at night, I'm sure when he's thinking about what he has done, he clings to that. I'm saved not by my work, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when someone was going around teaching otherwise within the church, because that's what he's talking about, people within the church saying, Jesus died for your sins, and you need to do this. You're saved by grace, plus this, and it would give Paul PTSD, because that's where he was. And so he gets a little angry in his letters when he starts hearing anybody rob the power of the cross or the completion of salvation in the promise of Jesus. That's chief to him personally, but also this is what the church Christianity is all about. And so when he's talking to Timothy about being a good pastor, that's the first thing he's going to say, that that's what needs to be taught Everything else revolves around that sentence. This is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full of acceptance, more than one plus one equals two, and that is Jesus the Messiah came into the world to save not good people, only sinners.
Is that how we are as a church? We're going to today install many of our officers. St. James, you've elected these people to lead with me this beautiful community of Christ here at St. James across the board. And as we install them and you officers, and first of all, thank you for the work you put into this. I hope you enjoy this year. But this is in the end, this is what it's all about. You're elected to make sure this is happening at St. James in one way or the other. That people know this trustworthy saying. That our neighbors know this trustworthy saying in a world full of very untrustworthy sayings these days. We got one. That there's not only a God, but that he loves bad people. There's not only a God, but there's nobody outside of whom Jesus died for. Jesus died for all religions. He died for all cultures. He died for all types of sinners. And weirdly enough, his specialty seems to be those that are the farthest away from what you'd expect to be a good person. And that's why we're here and that's how we're gonna to work together this year. When we talk about our building and what we're gonna do, it comes down to that. How can we get more people to know that there's hope when you think you're hopeless? When there's grace, when you think there's no more grace left in the world? When there's forgiveness, when you think that this sin, this situation, or your series of bad decisions have left you outside of God's grace? How can we make that happen with the different things that we do, how we do our building, all these sort of things? Pray for our leaders and myself as we go forward this year. But you too, that we stand on this trustworthy saying and spread it. But you know, I want you to know, just like Paul, the power of the saying. When everything else fails you, the sayings, the clever, common sense, pithy phrases that get you by at work or at school and life. But when you're in a situation, and you know what? You will be if you live in reality, if you're aware, or you feel pretty unforgivable. When you're in a corner and you can't blame Eve anymore, and everyone knows you screwed up. Here's a trustworthy saying, friend. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Guess what? That's what you are. He forgives you. Or when you're in a situation where you're standing at the grave, or late at night, right, when you're looking at the abyss that we do, so you're worried about your kids, or even worried about yourself when you're really being honest. Am I forgiven? Will I rise again? Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance and proven in blood and an empty grave that Jesus Christ came into the world not for good people, but for sinners. So if you're a sinner, if you're a screw-up, if you don't got a great pedigree, well then Jesus is perfect for you. You can count on that. And I hope that gives you peace above anything else you hear in the world and hope and confidence. In Jesus' name. Amen.